beautiful faces here. If you have your Bible, you can probably guess it. We're turning to the book of James. This is our last uh, installment of the series, uh, six-week series on the book of James. James is in here somewhere. It's a small book. You'll go right past it if you're not. There it is. Okay. James, James, James. James has been good to us, right? We opened it up with, uh, we opened up the series uh, talking about, um, man, that was six weeks ago. What did we talk about first week? Do, yeah, be doers of the word, hearing and doing the word, and then, and then controlling your tongue. Talked about money, talked about guns, talked about, uh, I, I mean, really anything under the sun. We probably mentioned it during this series. Uh, today, I, I, I will say this first and foremost. I feel like the last at least like three weeks have been very challenging sermons, sermons that are very challenging to hear and then to go implement into your life. Today, I'm hoping to be a little bit more uplifting to you because, because while the Word of God should push you, yes, the Word of God is also comforting. The Word of God is also soothing to the soul. It's also something that gives you hope and encouragement for your daily life. And so I hope, I hope that's something that we can get out of today's sermon. Today, I want to talk about prayer. Um, a good friend of mine, uh, many of you know him, um, John Garlock II, says I say prayer weird. So if you think I say prayer weird, then you're just going to be weirded out this whole sermon. But anyways, we're talking about prayer today. Uh, James chapter 5, starting with verse 13. Starting with verse 13. Are any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Are any of you happy? Uh, or sorry, I said, already said that. Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you, anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick, and the Lord will make you well. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins one to another and pray for each other so you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power and produces wonderful results. Elijah was as human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. Then when he prayed again, the sky sent down rain and the earth began to yield its crops. My dear brothers and sisters, if someone among you wanders away from the truth and is brought back, you can be sure that whoever brings the sinner back from wandering will save that person from death and bring about the forgiveness of many sins. And the next scripture I want to read is um, from Psalm 121. Uh, Psalm 121 says this, I will lift my eyes to the hills. From whence does my, comes my help? My help comes from the Lord. Who made heaven and earth. Let's pray. God, we thank you. God, we thank you for this day. We thank you for life. God, that right now we're breathing in, uh, God, God, air, and God, that we are living and we're breathing and moving. And God, we pray that this life that we have, God, that we wouldn't waste it, but God, that we would give it to you. God, we have felt your presence in this place. God, you've given us your presence, and so right now we give you our presence. We're fully present in this moment, God, seeking to hear what your spirit has to say. God, open the people's ears. Anoint my lips to speak, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So what is prayer and why you need to pray? That's a question I want to I start with this morning. What is prayer and why do we need to pray? First off, prayer is, is, is many things, but prayer is connection slash relationship with God however you can. I put that last part in there, however you can, because of this. Many people think that prayer is one thing, that it's getting on your knees in your prayer closet, and that's the only way that you pray. 
that is very effective and it's worked for many people. And if that works for you, keep on doing it. But that, that is not always the formula for how we should pray. Prayer is simply connection or relationship with God. So if you're in your car and you crank up that radio and you hear them playing your favorite worship song and in that moment you are connecting with God Almighty, that's prayer. That's a prayer. That's a prayer that you're singing from your heart to God. And in that moment, what I believe is that prayer is not a one-way street. That's the first thing I want to come out and say this morning. I might, I might seem a little scatterbrained because there's so many things to say about prayer. But this is the first thing I want to say. Prayer is not a one-way street, folks. Prayer is not this system where we just uh, send emails up to God. Have you ever seen um, Bruce Almighty? Bruce Almighty, right, where he's getting all those letters, like just like a bunch of letters, right? That is not how it works at all, okay? <laughs> this is not like an email system where God only has an inbox and not a sent box, right? This is a two-way street. As we pray, okay, God is not human, so there's not, there's most of the time, 95% of the time, there's not an audible voice. Now, there's, there are situations, I've heard stories where people say they hear an audible voice, but 99% of the time when God, when we're praying, God speaks back into you through the Holy Spirit, through the Holy Spirit, into your heart, into your life. I'm going to get there here in a moment. But prayer is a two-way street. We have to understand that. So, so Christian, when you are praying, expect an answer. When you're praying, expect God to speak back. Expect to hear from God. I mean, I read this book, and God speaks all the time. I mean, I, I don't know about you, but that service that we were just in, that worship service, I felt like God was speaking to me. I feel like God was speaking into my life. That's prayer. That is the connection, the relationship with the divine, the relationship with God. That is prayer. Second thing, I just want to, I just want to clarify this because I, I was on Facebook this morning. I don't know why I get on Facebook before going to preach because it gets me all fired up. But I was on Facebook and a very tragic thing happened. And someone said, I'm sending prayers to you. They said that. And, and listen, I understand the intentions are good. I understand the intentions are good. But just because your intentions weren't to hit someone, but if you hit someone, then, you know, it's so bad, right? Intentions don't matter sometimes. We don't send prayers to one another because you can't do anything. I can't do anything. I send prayers to Almighty God because I know that I do not have the power in and of myself to do anything. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. So, so, so I understand, I understand the, the intentions are good, but it just kind of annoys me because prayers are not these, like, in 2019, um, younger people will get this, but there's a thing called vibes, okay? Vibes are like, it's like energy. I don't know, really know where it comes from. They don't even, it doesn't exist, okay? It doesn't exist, but what does exist is prayer. People can say, I'm sending good vibes your way or thoughts and prayers or whatever, but that doesn't change anything. What changes is when the church will get on their knees, when the church will start praying, when the church will start going to God, because God is where help comes from. God is where help comes from. Amen. This is, this is good. Now, no, but not, I, I say that not because I'm talking. I'm saying it because it's good. Because it is good. Because prayer is good. I just shot myself in the foot right there. Why do we need to pray? Because so many Christians, so many Christians know you should pray, but they don't really believe it. They know they should pray, but they don't really believe that it's going to change their life. And my job today you know, they always say whenever you speak, you should know your audience and know your goal. My audience today is River Church, and my goal is to persuade you that you need to pray more. I need to pray more. I'm, I'm signing up, first and foremost, I need to pray more. You need to pray more. We need to pray more as a church. Why? Because prayer is powerful to transform. 
Prayer is powerful to transform. If you got a, if you got a, a little paper on the way in today, you can write on that for notes today. If not, Steve Jobs created this wonderful thing called the iPhone. Uh, I don't know if you knew that, but there's there's at, there's a notes app on there, so you could take notes on there too, right? Uh, Number one point today is that prayer has the power to transform situations. Prayer has the power to transform situations. Why do people come up here every Sunday and come up to this altar to have me, Bradley, and Pastor Sharon pray for them? Is it because we are just on another level of anointing or whatever? No! It's because God Almighty, we know that he answers prayer. We know that God has the power to transform situations. And if you need any further proof, I'm going to refer to my brother Pat. Pat is a man of God. Amen. Pat is a man that, that pours his heart out for this church, and in doing so, he broke his wrist overdoing the trailer. And he went to the emergency room, and they diagnosed it as a fractured wrist, broke his bone. Well, Sunday comes around, and we pray. We come up here and we pray. We pray earnestly. We pray that God would heal his wrist, that God would repair the bones, that God would bring about a, a full recovery. Pat goes to get MRI on Thursday, right? Thursday, no broken bones. No broken bones, only fluid. Only fluid. He only has to wear that cast for a couple weeks. Yeah, give God a praise, right? Give God a praise. Why? Because God does transform situations through the power of prayer. Prayer changes things. Prayer transforms situations. Yes, this church right here, we believe in the stuff, all right? We believe in the stuff, the healing, deliverance. I mean, I, I don't, no matter how far this way or that way church goes, I believe what the Bible says. And the Bible says that they will lay hands on the sick and they will be healed. The Bible says that signs and wonders will follow them that believe. That these are things that should be commonplace in the life of a believer. And so yes, if you're wondering, if you're a visitor here today, yes, this church, we fully believe in healings and miracles and deliverances. We believe that the name of Jesus still has the power, that the blood of Jesus has not lost its power, that it's still as powerful as it was 2,000 years ago today. That Jesus is powerful. And that, that, that the power of, of prayer will transform lives. Now, don't ask me how it works, okay? Don't ask me how it works, because <laughs> I don't know. That, that is something beyond my, my capability of thinking. That's in the realm of the divine, the supernatural providence of God. That, but I do know this, that God is looking for human partnership. God is looking for people who will get on their knees, who will get in their prayer closets, people who will, who will, who will submit themselves through prayer, and they will partner with God to change the world. That's what God is looking for. People wonder, God, why don't you do something? Well, let me, let me let you in on a secret. In Genesis chapter one, God said, let there be light. The world was created, bam. Ever since then, go read your Bible. God has never done anything without human consent or partnership. Nothing. God's put the Red Sea. Who put down the staff? Moses, right? All throughout the Bible, Peter and John, right? They, they, the man at the beautiful gate who they say, pick up your mat and walk, Right? It's because there's human connection, there's human partnership. And what prayer does is prayer brings us to a place of partnership with God. I don't know about you, any of you here, but if you've had a business partnership, right, you guys are working together for the common goal of building up your business, right? Well, the business is the kingdom of God. And we are partnering with God to bring that about. And the primary way that we partner with God is through prayer because prayer transforms situations. The question now is this. What is our attitude in prayer, though? Because is prayer about, is prayer about getting God to jump on to my will? Or is prayer about 
me submitting to the will of God. Because many people will get dissatisfied and they'll leave church because God didn't answer their prayer the way that they wanted. And I think this exposes a toxic mindset in a lot of Christianity. We think that God is our butler. We think that God is our server. God, get me whatever I want, whenever I want. I'm sorry, the last I checked, you didn't, you didn't number the stars and put them in place. Last I checked, you didn't put the ground where it's at. Last I checked, you didn't, didn't speak into existence galaxies and solar systems. And we need to humble ourselves, as Bradley preached. We need to humble ourselves and understand that God is God. That God is above all and above everything. We are not trying to send spiritual emails to God to get him to, 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 to do what we think God ought to do. What we're doing is praying, lifting our requests up to God because we know that he does transform situations. But at the end of the day, we submit our will to him. We submit our will to him. We say, God, not thy will be done or not my will be done, but yours be done. Your will be done. That's what we do. We submit our will unto God. Point number two. So, so in, your, in your little paper there, you could have wrote situations for, for the first one. Second one, power to transform other lives. Other lives. It amazes me how when we come up, you know, I, I, I walk in a church on a Sunday morning, and sometimes, here's a, here's a newsflash for you. We're not always feeling it, okay? We're not always feeling You come to Sunday morning service, just because, like, you know, pastors and stuff doesn't mean we're feeling it. Doesn't mean that we're like super excited for church, okay? There's just being transparent. But when you guys come up and we pray for you, man, there is something that God does inside the heart when you lift up someone else in prayer. When you lift up someone else in prayer, when you get rid of your ego and you say, I'm gonna lift up somebody else in prayer, when you guys come forward and we pray for you, man, there's something special that happens in my heart because there's something special. There is a blessing that you can only get by lifting other people up in prayer. Prayer is powerful to transform other people's lives. We are called incessantly to pray for other people. This passage in James here, this is all about praying for other people. He says, is there anyone among you sick? Okay, then you need to get all the elders together, anoint them with oil, and then you need to pray for them. Pray for other people. Put your hands on them. Pray for them. Why? Because they're going to be healed. They're going to be delivered, right? Their sins are going to be forgiven. We are called incessantly in the scriptures to pray for other people. Incessantly meaning time after time after time after time. You're called to lift other people up, to pray for them. So the question is, have you been praying for your other church people? Have you been praying for other people? I, I, I firmly believe a lot of the issues in our society would be resolved if we would just submit ourselves to a place of selflessness and start lifting other people up. We need to start praying for other people, lifting them up. Nobody is a lost cause. We're called to pray for them. I say this because many Christians will get on fire for God and they say, man, Lord, I'm going to save my whole family, right? And they, they start praying. They start praying for that one individual. Everybody's got that person in their family, right? That person that's just like a lost cause. You know, we, we stopped praying for them about 10 years ago. They're just gone, right? Goners. There's nothing we can do. There is no lost cause. Heaven has not given up on anybody. He didn't give up on you. So who are you to give up on them? We need to stop thinking about people as lost causes and we need to start praying for people. I, I, I'm saying this because in your mind right now, 
I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is bringing to mind someone that you've labeled as a lost cause. We need to be lifting them up in prayer because God can do anything. God can go exceedingly and abundantly beyond all that we could ask or think. We're called to pray for them. Uh, the fancy word for this is to intercede, to stand in the gap, to stand in the gap for them. They're not gonna pray. We're gonna pray for them. We're gonna do the job that they should be doing. We're gonna do it for them. We're gonna stand in the gap. Amen. Third point, and this is, this is, this is a good one, I think. I think it's, I like it. Power to transform our lives. Power to transform our lives. Heard a sermon this week, shared it with a couple people. The guy made a good point. He said, we'll bring people into church and we'll get them saved. And we'll say, here's where you need to serve. Here's where you need to go. Here's how you should live your life. Here's what you should do. But we don't give them any power to do it. We don't show them the power to how they should do it. We don't, we don't give them the juice, the spiritual strength to do it. Prayer is the avenue through which we gain the power to transform our lives. God is the chain breaker, the redeemer, the, the savior, the prison shaker, right? We believe this. We believe that God has come to set us free from our sin and from our shame and from our addiction. And so many people come into church and they experience the forgiveness of God, but not the freedom of God. Let me say that again. You might experience the freedom of God, but not the... Or the I can't even talk. You might experience the forgiveness of God, but not the freedom of God. Here's what I believe. God desires to, to forgive you, and already has. But it doesn't mean that you're free. Freedom is something that a lot of Christians are walking around without. Because I believe we don't know how to properly pray. We don't know how to enter into that place and to allow God to take those chains. Maybe not that we don't know how to properly pray. We don't pray enough. Maybe that's, that, that's a better way to put it. Freedom is found in prayer. Prayer is the avenue through which God speaks into our life. So let me say this. If you're in this place and you struggle, James, James said this. He said, is anyone sick? You should pray. If there's anyone in this place that's struggling with mental health, anxiety, depression, stress, I believe you should pray. I believe you should pray. Did you know that, that the United States is, is the leading country in antidepressants? And how many, and listen, I'm not against medication. But until you've exhausted your prayer avenue, you shouldn't go to those antidepressants. I'm serious. I, I'm crazy enough to believe that God works miracles. I'm crazy enough to believe that God said God will do what he said he's going to do and that he will break chains. And so what I'm saying today is this, is that if you are sick, if you have anything in your body, in your mind, pray, 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 pray. Why? Because God is a deliverer. God is a healer. God will bring that about in your life. If there's anything in your life that there's a sin, if there's a sin, you say, man, I just can't, I just can't get out of my life. You know, just, it's just who I am. It's in my family, you know, that alcohol, you know, just in my family, you know, whatever it is, I, I, I'm, I'm being facetious right now. But seriously, the Bible says that the sins of the father will affect the next seven generations. Is that just because God is just laying it on the next seven generations? No, it's because the Bible, the authors of the Bible were wise, and they understood that if you don't stop doing what your father did, then you'll become just like him. But God has called us to, to have a new standard, a new day, a new way of living, and that comes through prayer. We say, we say, no, we're drawing a line in the sand. We say, God, give me the power. 
Give me the power, the power to transform my life, the power to break these chains, the power to be redeemed, the power to be saved. I don't know about you, but there's been moments where I say, I don't even care what this book says. All I know is I, I am weak and I need power. I'm weak and I need a savior. And if you're in this place today, let me tell you that there is a God who wants to save you. There's a God who wants to redeem you. There's a God who wants to break chains. And it comes through prayer. It comes through prayer. Don't tell me that God hasn't freed you of that particular thing if you spend 40 hours a week watching Netflix and you ain't praying. I'm serious. I'm poking at the bear here a little bit. Don't touch, don't touch my thing. We all say we don't have enough time. But we got a lot of time for some Facebook. Did you know that if you have an iPhone, you can go ahead and look at your screen time? A lot of you are going to be freaked out by how much time you spend on there. God is looking for a church that will pray. Prayer changes things. Prayer changes everything. So I want you to write some things down. I hope you've been writing some things down. But for, for the first one, what are three impossible situations you can pray for? Just you write down that question. What are three impossible situations you can pray for? And if you don't not write it down, just think about it. Number two, who are three people you need to pray for? I picked three because, you know, it's a trinity. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And the last one, what are three ways God, what are three ways you need God to work in your personal life? Or another way to put it would be, what are three chains that are binding you that you need God to free you from? If you thought I'm done with my sermon, this was just a warm-up. Uh, I'm just kidding. I do have a fourth point, though. I want to talk a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Because we're a Pentecostal church, and what does that even mean? Like people who, you know, people who maybe, might be come off the street, they're not familiar with denominations or anything like that. It just simply means this. The Bible refers to a day called Pentecost where God sends his Holy Spirit upon the people. And what Pentecostal means is that we believe that the Holy Spirit is living and active and moving and dynamic and robust and, and, and transforming lives in the day-to-day -day right now. That the things of Acts chapter 2 are not for the past, but they're right here and right now. And so what, what I don't want to happen is I don't want us to be a church that claims title of Pentecostal, but with no working knowledge of what the Holy Spirit is or how he should work in our lives, right? The Holy Spirit is simply this. The Holy Spirit is the presence of God available to us right now. I don't have time to go into all of it, but Jesus has a spot where he says this. He says, I'm leaving. He says, I'm gonna leave. I'm gonna go back to my father. But it's better that I leave because when I leave, I will send you the Holy Spirit. Now, let me ask you a question. If Jesus were here right now, what would happen? Well, first off, this fool wouldn't be preaching, right? He'd be preaching. It'd be, Jesus, teach, us, teach me something, Jesus, right? We'd be like, man, that's awesome. Everybody be rushing forward. Please heal me, Lord. Right? Do this thing, right? Do this thing. Change my life, right? Jesus said, it's better that I leave. It's better. It's more valuable. 
that I leave. Why? Jesus is one man, one place, one time. The Holy Spirit's everywhere. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. What does that mean? That means that while Jeremy is at Altec building them boom trucks, he can call upon the name of the Lord right then and there. And the Holy Spirit will meet him and comfort him, guide him and strengthen him and convict him. While at the same time, Jeremy works nights, so this is good. Some of y'all be sleeping. The Bible says that old men will dream dreams, right? Paul will be sleeping. <laughs> hey, Paul, 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 knows, Paul gets that senior discount at the golf course. You know, he knows he's old. Paul will be dreaming, and the Holy Spirit speaks to him, gives him a dream. It's better this way. Why? Because the presence of God is everywhere now. The presence of God is in, ev- oh, is in every believer. It's in everywhere. It's in every place. The Holy Spirit is present and active at all times. All times and all places. So what does this have to do with prayer? Prayer is the vessel through which the Holy Spirit comes. That's what I want to submit to you this morning. That the Holy Spirit will not be living and active in your life if you do not pray. Let me say that again. Some of y'all need to hear that. Because some of y'all want more of the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't know about you, but if, 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 if God is saying, here's my living and active presence in your life that's dynamic and robust and can heal people and change lives, sign me up, right? I want more of that. I want more of that juice in my life, right? That only comes through prayer. You will only receive more of the Holy Spirit in your life as you pray more. As we pray more, God, the Holy Spirit meets us in that. And so I have a simple little uh, gif I want to show. It's it's kind of a simple analogy, metaphor, thing. So uh, so it's it's a it's 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 a faucet. Uh, It's supposed to be it's supposed to be moving right now, you know, because it's a gif. But anyways, it's just it's still it's fine. But you get the picture. Using this metaphor here, prayer is the vessel through which the Holy Spirit comes. Prayer is the faucet. The prayer is that metal right there. It's the vessel. It's, 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 it's the tube, right? The Holy Spirit's the water. And if we're not praying, if there's no vessel, if there's no controllable, the Holy Spirit's not flowing. And this is a simple metaphor, right? I'm not trying to put a box on God or anything. But what I'm saying is that through prayer, the Holy Spirit has an avenue has a pathway, has, a, has a, a place, a vessel through which God can go. God can move. God sees you praying. He says, that's something I can work with. That's something I can work with. That's someone I can work with. Because God wants to move. I believe that. How many of you believe God wants to do something in this world? I believe God wants to do things in this world. But I also believe that he's looking at us and saying, will you partner with me? Will you partner with me? And the way that we partner with him is prayer. And the Holy Spirit comes in that. And it's a flood. It's a flood. It's a flood. I can't talk. It's a flood. It's a flood of his Holy Spirit into our daily lives. You think I do this so often I could talk, but I can't. If we are prayerless, we are powerless. If we are prayerless, we are powerless. Many of you wonder why you stumble through your nine to five without any purpose in life, without any kind of power, without any kind of real power, 
real power, any real grip over your life, any real kind of feeling of, of feeling like you have any purpose or self-worth in this life. There's no power because there's no prayer. I submit, and you guys, there, I, I, there might be some skeptics in this room. Let me tell you this. You go this week, pray for an hour every day and come back to me and tell me if you feel like you have purpose in your life. Tell me if you feel like the Holy Spirit's moving in your life. Tell me if you feel like God has been present in your week. Don't knock it till you try it, folks. Don't knock it till you try it. Prayer is powerful and prayer works. Last thing I'll say. When we pray, we don't always see the result instantly, but we're automatically getting better. We're automatically getting better. We may not always see that result instantly, but the situation has automatically gotten better. Why? Because we are knocking on the door. We are relying upon the source of life himself. And when I'm connected to the source of life, when I'm connected to the one who holds the whole world in his hand, whenever I'm connected to him, his power comes into my life. And although I don't see that result immediately, my situation's gotten better because I know where my help comes from. My help comes from God. My help comes from him. Not from myself, from my own strength, but from God. I don't even know what time it is. I feel like I've been talking for a long time. I've been rambling. I want to I land this ship here. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Sweetest name I know. Fills my every longing. Keeps me singing as I go. I love that hymn. This is a Jesus-centered church, folks. And I want to live like Jesus. Jesus spent every day praying. Every day, he was in the presence of God. Paul says, pray without ceasing means pray without stopping. Well, how does that work? Do I just, we all just quit our job and, you know, everybody meet at the church every day. We're just never going to stop praying, right? No. Because prayer is a relationship with God. It's a connection with God. Jesus constantly lived in that state. He lived in that, that, uh, that mode of being in contact with God. God has called us to do the same thing to live and move and walk every single day in relationship with him. Jesus did this his whole life. One of my favorite verses is Mark 1.35. It says that Jesus got up early in the morning and went out to pray. If you're having trouble praying, you probably wake up earlier. You know, I don't know, that's what Jesus did, you know. Jesus has called us to pray. And he did it every day of his life, including the worst day of his life which leads us into our time of communion. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, what did he do? He took bread, right? He gave thanks. He prayed to God. God, I thank you. He's in the garden, praying, sweating drops of blood, but he's praying. He's praying. He's praying. I'm emphasizing this because we need to get this. If Jesus felt the need to pray, being Jesus, then how much more do we need to pray over our struggles? How much more do we need to pray over our lives? I'm challenging you this week, River Church, devote an hour every day to pray. An hour every day. You say, man, that's a lot. I don't even know if I pray 10 minutes right now. 
An hour every day. We spend an hour watching TV every day, don't we? We spend an hour scrolling through Facebook every day. I challenge you, give up one of those things and pray. Come back next week and tell me how your week was. I challenge you to pray. Jesus prayed on the worst day of his life. He prayed, giving thanks to God. I'm gonna ask people who are serving communion to go ahead and come on up. Um, And the band, you guys can come on up too as we enter into this time of prayer.